You're listening to the podcast for Asbury United Methodist Church. Join us every Sunday for worship at 8.30 or 10.45. Find out more at asburybosier.org. If you can believe it, that children's moment even went better than 8.30. (laughs) Well, good morning. It's good to be with you uh, this morning on this Sunday that is uh, between uh, Mother's Day and also Memorial Day. Thank you for being here on this graduation weekend when many of us are celebrating milestones of uh, many in our family. Uh, Our scripture lesson today is the Psalm 139. We're going to read the entirety of Psalm 139, a past, present future glory of God. It'll be on the screens and it's also in your Bible. Let us hear the word of the Lord. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from far away. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all of my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, O Lord, you know it, you know it completely. You hem me in, behind and before, and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is so high that I cannot attain it. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and settle at the farthest limits of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light around me become night, even darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as the day, for darkness is as light to you. For it was you who formed my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works that I know very well. My frame was not hidden from you while I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes beheld my unformed substance. In your book were written all the days that were formed for me when none of them as yet existed. How weighty. To me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. I try to count them. They are more than the sand. I come to the end. And I am still with you. O that you would kill the wicked, O God, and that the bloodthirsty would depart from me. Those who speak of you maliciously and lift themselves up against for evil. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with a perfect hatred. I count them as my enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my thoughts. See if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So this week, that, that, that first line of this psalm really resonated, search me and know me, O God, you have searched me and you have known me, especially those who are ending the school year. They've turned in their final papers. They, uh, the transcripts are being finalized. I bet many of our students feel that they have been searched and they have been known and they have been weighed and they have been measured for sure. Oh Lord, you have searched me 
and know me. God knows us, and God knows us even better than we know ourselves. And yet, and still, God remains in a covenant relationship with us. God remains our God, even after knowing us. I've heard that the true mark of friendship is when someone knows you really well and still chooses to be your friend. It says, even before a word is on my tongue, Lord, you know it completely. And some might ask, well, then what's the point? If God knows everything that we're going to say uh, or do, what, what, is the, what is the point of, for example, prayer? What is the point of talking to God? You know, my, my, my children, they, they can tell, as soon as, imagine, you know, I sit with them and I say, in an old house in Paris that's covered with vines live 12 little girls in two straight lines. They know what the rest, it's Madeline, right? Uh, they know the rest of that story. And the point isn't to not read it just because they've heard it before. What's more important than the story itself is the time that we're sharing together. Or, uh, you know, we don't say I love you to someone because we're trying to convey information. We do it because it's an investment in the relationship. I love you is not a conveyance of fact, it's a building of relationship. Just because God knows what we're going to say or the, the words that are on our lips doesn't mean that we don't share them. In fact, it's quite amazing and quite graceful that God, even knowing them, would take the time to listen. Lord, you know what is on my tongue even before I say it. You know it completely. God knows what is on our heart and God chooses to stick with us anyway. It goes on to say, you know, when I sit down and when I rise up, how purposefully mundane is that? Now, I would imagine that God recognizes the big stuff, like when we, when we save the company or we reinvent public education or we solve world hunger. And of course, God smiles on the big stuff, but God also takes notice of the small stuff. When I open my eyes in the morning, when I close them at night, and sometimes... Seeing God in the small stuff makes God's glory all the more magnificent. For example, uh, it, has been, <laughs> it has been a long week in the Rawl household, and I'm sure for many of you as well. We had uh, two different field days. Uh, we had two different choir concerts. One was here at Asbury, and one was in Dallas uh, over the weekend. Uh, we've had award ceremonies and banquets and dinners and lots of end of the year things, end of the year parties. And it's been, in a word, uh, exhausting. Uh, the month of May is like the hustle and bustle of Christmas, except there ain't no presents at the end of it. Like who, who invented this? It's exhausting. It's tiring. So, so this weekend uh, we had to, uh, we had to divide and conquer, uh, because Anna Lee, had a choir concert in Dallas. Now, normally, uh, whoever has Robert uh, gets to use the minivan uh, because the minivan makes it easier just on everybody uh, when you have Robert. Okay, so but but we're trying to <laughs> we're trying to squeeze just a few more miles out of the Toyota Camry, right? Well, okay. Full disclosure: I'm driving my grandmother's car. Okay, it's a, why are you laughing? That's, you know, <laughs> I'm, dri- I'm driving my grandmother's car. So seven years ago, we, um, when we had Cecilia, uh, we had a Honda CRV and a Toyota, um, no, a Honda um, Civic, which is, that's hilarious to see me get in out of a Honda Civic. 
That's just funny. You know, just fold in half and fold again, get in. Um, but we, you know, we didn't, we needed a, a bigger car because uh, our, our family was growing and the, the CRV wasn't going to cut it out. And we couldn't, we didn't have enough to buy a minivan. So we said, we know what we'll do. We'll be prudent. We'll trade in both of our cars to get enough so that we can buy a used minivan. And we did this and we thought we were so proud of ourselves. We're going to be a one car family. We're just going to figure it out. This is going to be great. And it didn't take us long to realize that that was a boneheaded decision. <laughs> Having only one car, it just it made everything super complex. About three weeks later, my grandmother, Miss Avis Henson, called me. Matthew. She, she's the only one who calls me Matthew. Matthew. She's from Moss Point, Mississippi. Matthew, the doctor tells me I can't drive anymore, so could you use my car? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But then she goes, but I must apologize because it's a 2007 Toyota Camry. She goes, I must apologize because it does have 9,000 miles on it. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, this is so great. You know, Don't worry, Nana. I'll go ahead and take it off your hands. That's what, I mean, she drove it to the church, to the hairdresser, and to the Piggly Wiggly in back. Like, that's all she did. You know, so, so anyway, so I have uh, a, a Toyota Camry, my grandmother's Toyota Camry. Uh, we're trying to squeeze, a, it doesn't have 9,000 miles on it now. It's, uh, so we're trying to squeeze a couple more miles out of it. So we, we made the executive decision that Christy was going to take Anna Lee in the minivan to Dallas. And I had uh, uh, Isabel and Cecilia and Robert in the Toyota Camry. Uh, well, while Christy's on the road, I begin to realize, wait a minute, the car seat is in the minivan. Great. But, but we had a five-point harness already in my car. I said, you know, Robert's like three and a half. Like, he can probably sit forward-facing, you know, in the big boy seat. It's five-point harness. Don't report me. It's a five-point harness. It's totally fine. He's three and a half. It's probably time. So we put him in the chair, and we were going, I don't know where we were going, but put him in, in, in the back seat in, in the new, in his new, new to him uh, car seat. And we're, I'm just driving along, you know, whatever. Uh, and I look in the, in the rear view mirror, and I notice that his eyes are as big as saucers. He's just looking at the trees and, the, and cars coming. This is like all new physics for him, because I'm beginning to realize that he's never faced forward before in a car. So he, he's like seeing... Uh, the, the red shift instead of the blue shift or blue shift versus, I can't remember. Uh, he's like seeing things coming at him. Like this is brand new. And he's just looking through the thing. And, and it was, he could have been looking at the crab nebula. He could have been looking at the vastness of the universe. It was a moment for him. Very new. It was, the, it was a first. And just sitting there driving and seeing him kind of rediscover the world what was, was a moment, it was a dad moment, it was a moment for me to recognize the potential, the potential beauty in every moment. If we're willing to look for God in those moments in between our breaths, how precious life can be, you know, especially in the month of May where you're going and running around and doing all these things. Like, you know, for example, we had a choir concert here at Asbury, and it wasn't Isabel's first choir concert ever, but it was her only end-of-the-year sixth-grade Cope choir concert, and it's something that we'll never get back. We start to look at life in these ways of these beautiful moments. Life can truly be a blessing. God is certainly in the small stuff that we often take for granted. 
God is also in the big stuff. Uh, I love how the psalmist says, if I climb the highest heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, which is the, 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 the Hebrew land of the dead, if I, if I make my bed in the rock bottom of the valley of the shadow of death, you're there as well. That God is not only in these precious moments in between our breaths, but, but God is ever... And we, sometimes we forget the scandal of this. <clears throat> the Jewish people, uh, the Hebrew people, their religion focused around the temple. Or at least when, 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 when the Lord gave Moses the law and, and Moses gave the law to the people, they built a tabernacle so that God could be with them. And then when they entered into Israel, after several generations, King Solomon built a temple for the Lord where the Lord would rest, where the Lord would reside and dwell and live. And here the psalmist, it's interesting when he's talking about the presence of God, he doesn't mention the temple at all. It's a bit of a scandal. Because he's saying, look, the highest heavens, the mountaintops, God, God, is, God is there. In the lowest valley, God is, God is there too. God is not bound by the temple. It's a bit scandalous for him to say that God is not bound. And do we really believe that? Do we really believe that God is unbound? Meaning that God can be with us, God can be with them? I'd love to say that God is a Methodist, (laughs) but God is also the God of the Baptists, Catholic, on and on. Do we really believe that God is unbound? Can we proclaim this as well with the psalmist, that God has an unbound presence? Sometimes we forget that we are still in the Easter season, (laughs) Uh, and we'll be uh, for uh, just a little bit longer before we hit uh, the season of Pentecost. This great uh, uh, treasure of our faith where, where Jesus is alive again, the tomb is empty, which, which reveals to us that the gospel is more than flesh and blood. The gospel is more than what we might expect. The gospel is beyond our imagination. Gospel is above and over the highest peaks of our hope. And yet God is there. God is bigger than the bubbles of a world that we like to create around ourselves to make ourselves feel safe and sane. God is in the small stuff that we take for granted. God is in the big stuff that defies definition and imagination. God is also at the beginning and the end. The psalm continues to say, For it was you who formed my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And we keep reading. A lot of times when we read this psalm, we tend to stop at that verse and and we don't read the second half of the psalm because it's saying that God is in the beginning, but it also continues with verse 18 and says, I come to the end and I am still with you. As Christians, we are called to be stewards of life, all of life, from beginning to the end. God is in the small stuff. God is in the big stuff. God is in the beginning and also at the end of our story. So I did another interesting thing this week. Um, Normally, as I'm driving in my uh, Nana's car (laughs) around town, um, I do something archaic. I know it's 21st century. Uh, I don't have Bluetooth uh, in the car, 
So I, I, I plug my phone in to listen to music or podcasts or whatever. Well, now the auxiliary cable is broken. And I can't plug my phone in. So I did something radical this week. I listened to, wait for it, I listened to the radio. Do you know this? This is so incredible. It has a dial that you can turn, and there are a bunch of numbers, and all these different, and it's free, and all of these, you know, I'm glad you're sitting for this. So I have ADD, right? And I'm um, surprised. Listening to the radio, it's very hard for me to listen to a full song, and then like a little advert, and then another full song, and then I get very antsy. So I started playing uh, a game uh, by myself as I'm driving, because I have very few friends. So I'm in the car alone, and I'm listening to the radio, and I press the scan button, and it just kind of let the radio, it's like magic, I just let the radio do its thing, and it cycles through channels. And I try to guess uh, the artist, and I love music, I listen to music all day. Uh, I try to guess the artist and the song, and even try to guess when it was written. So I just press the scan button and let it ride, right? Um, now, some songs are easy, you know, won't get fooled again, bro, oh, that's the who, you know, 1970, whatever it is. <clears throat> um, some other, other, other songs are, are harder. Uh, but the only way that, <laughs> so, um, ADD alert, um, we, when I was an undergrad, uh, we had to, first semester, music history. Uh, we had an audio exam, right? An aural, AU, aural exam, where they played a, a seven seconds of a song and we had to identify who the composer was, what the song was, and when it was written. Now, some of them are easy, uh, and then others were hard. And I kid you not, there was one, it was just the ooh vowel, right? And this is early church history, where most of your songs are in Latin. And this was, I remember it, it's ingrained, this was the song sample. What, we, what is that? That could be Alleluia. That could be Sanctus. That could be Agnus Dei. What, I mean, when you're dealing with the Latin Mass and you have the U vowel, it could be anything. When, when we aren't familiar with music, it's very hard to identify the composer or when it was written or why it was written. The more familiar we are with music, we can identify things like who wrote it, when it was written, why it was written. Uh, same thing with art. The more familiar we are with art, we can begin to discern who is the artist, when was it painted, uh, wh- which museum is it in. The same thing. Scripture says, O oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. And the calling therein is to go and search for God and to know God. And the more familiar we are with God, the quicker we begin to realize just how pervasive and ubiquitous and everywhere God is. God can be found in the three-and-a-half-year-old whose eyes are opened with this new experience. God is in those moments where we feel like we have climbed the highest heavens. God is in those moments when we find ourselves in the pit. The more we grow in faith and love with God, the easier it is to actually see God's presence out in the world. I, the scripture says you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Do you believe that? Sometimes we do have to look in the mirror and say, I am, I am wonderfully made, and I, I just need to say that today. And then as we grow in faith, we begin to look at each other and say, you know what, you're, you're wonderfully made too. 
Not just my friends, but those I disagree. You know, God made them too, the people we disagree with. Do you believe it? Do you believe this hymn, this psalm, that we are wonderfully made? My, how the world would be different if we just meditated on that verse. Now, we don't always follow the master's design, but we all do have the capacity to change the world. Now, in the spirit of keeping reading, (laughs) something happened to the psalmist about halfway through um, uh, the psalm. Because it's, it's beautiful that we have this, how weighty to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. I try to count them. They're more than the sand. I come to the end and I am with you. And then something happens. I don't know if someone came home and he wasn't expecting it or someone ate his leftovers or what happened. But then he, there's this radical shift where he says, um, oh, that you would kill the wicked, O God. And that the bloodthirsty would depart from me. Those who speak of you maliciously and lift themselves up against you for evil. I, do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with a perfect hatred. I count them as my enemies. Search me. And then he gets bold. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my thoughts See if there is any wickedness in me and lead me in the, in the way everlasting. And this reminded me of a parable that Jesus gave in the Gospel of Luke, and it goes like this. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee standing by himself was praying thusly, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, thieves, Rogues, adulterers, even that tax collector. I fast twice a week, and I give a tenth of all of my income. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even look up to heaven, and he was beating his breast and saying, God, just be merciful to me, a sinner. And Jesus says, I tell you, this man, the tax collector, went to his home justified rather than the other. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, but all who humble themselves will be exalted. Search me and know my heart. Test me and know my thoughts. See if there is any wickedness in me. And coincidentally, the psalm abruptly ends after that. Maybe after his boldness of, don't I hate the same people that you hate God? Isn't that a good thing? Don't I hate all of those vermin who are not I? Search me, Lord. See if you can find any wickedness. I wonder if the Lord did. And he heard through the power of the Holy Spirit this same parable that Jesus offers. Thank God I'm not like those people. God is in the big stuff. God is in the small stuff. God is in the beginning and also at the end. May we search. May we learn to know God. May we have the courage to say, I am wonderfully made, and and so are you. May we know that God will stop at nothing to find us and call us home.
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious God, we give you thanks for those moments in between our breaths that reveal your glory. We give you thanks for those moments of glory that shine, that defy expectation or our human imagination or even the confinement of words. Father, help us to believe that you are unbound, that you're the God of those who call Asbury home and the God of those who don't. May we look in the mirror and have the courage to say that we are wonderfully made and also to recognize that so is our neighbor and even our enemy. Father, fill us with your grace. Fill us with your mercy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.